What's up, my beautiful basketball fans? Y'all know what time it is. It is running with war. All things basketball talk. We're going to start the show off, though, three-man weaving this mug. Everybody going to be on this show today. You're going to get the whole crew. But right now, we're going to three-man weave this thing because clearly, we're just a special hour. We have a special hour. As you can see, we have a very special guest that has joined our show. That uh, So, obviously, i got to give it up for our guest, who is Stephanie Stremplusky, who is the planner for NBC Universal. She's going three-man with us for the first hour with, with the celebrity over here, Chris, because, you know, he's just that guy, clearly. Stop so, that. Uh, Stop that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's true. I haven't been on TV to do game shows more than once or one or any time in my life. So you have that's that is something you have clearly beat a lot of people, including me in. And for that, I applaud you, my man. I applaud you. We'll we'll tap on that a little bit in the, a little bit uh, later on down the show. But I got to start off with some WNBA talk because unfortunately, the Shot Town City, baby, we lost we lost our run. It was a great, it was a good time. It was a great last dance. You know, we had our last dance in Chicago. And before we jump into the sky, we got to go to the ones that actually won the whole thing. Uh, the Las Vegas Aces, they came up there and didn't do what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to sweep the sun. But they gave them one game. I mean, they gave them a gentleman sweep. I can, I can live with that. Came through and gentleman sweep the, uh, the Connecticut Sun. So that way, Becky Hammond, coach of the year, she won her first championship as the first season as a head coach, period, in WNBA. Asia Wilson, who was the defensive player of the year, as well as the MVP this year, got her ring finally after that uh, tough, devastating uh, loss last season. You got others like Chelsea Gray, who won the finals MVP. And you got others like Kelsey Plum, who recently was very advocate about her mental health issues and what she had to overcome to even get to this point, who is now a champion as well. I mean, I think it, congratulations to the Aces. It was a heck of a season for them. We kind of knew the writing was etched in stone per se when it came to when it came from a, from a competition perspective in comparison to the Sky for the throne. And you knew that Becky Hammond wasn't wasn't going to play any games coming from the NBA to where she is in the WBA now leading running the show. You knew it was going to be tough, but uh, she made a prime example of what it means to turn a culture around as quickly as she did with the aces. I gotta give her mad props to that. Stephanie, I gotta ask you, did you watch the, did you watch the finals and what was your reaction to the aces winning the whole winning the whole thing, especially since you know the Shot Town fans, we, we didn't we didn't make it as far as we could have this season. Yeah, I pretty much watched every single game. Um and the semifinals in my opinion, Aces versus Seattle, that was my absolute favorite series by far. I actually wish that could have been the finals. It was outstanding. Um, very close there. It could have went either way. That game three, when I think uh, it, I think it was the last yeah. 11 or 10 seconds of the game and each team like combined scored 10 points or something, it went into overtime. That last Sue Bird, oh my God, that uh, it was either a two or a three and, and she uh, looked like, I think it was a two and it was like 92, 90, something like that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I jumped in the air, but um, that was actually one of the most watched games of the entire WNBA Finals. So, um, you know, there were. Let's just be honest here. I'm I'm a Chicago fan. We all wanted to see a repeat, sure, but um, there wasn't any way that the Aces weren't going to win. I knew they were going to get to the finals. I actually wrote on paper on August 17th when the uh, playoffs began 
that it was going to be Sky versus Aces. And I was hoping to attend at least a couple games there. Didn't go my way. But um, the Aces, out of all 12 teams, right, like they had the most accolades. They're led by one of the most gifted basketball minds, <laughs> Becky Hammond. Um, and shout out to them, you know, for uh, being the first Las Vegas sports team to ever bring a title to the city. So um, just absolutely historic year. Um, Kelsey Plum especially has one of the greatest comeback stories, in my opinion, uh, coming from, I believe, a torn ACL a couple of years ago. And, you know, add, adding the Olympic gold and now championship, she had an incredible year. Chelsea Gray, I mean, Asia Wilson, those were the top three, in my opinion, um, that just were absolutely stellar. And then, of course, Gabby Williams in the last couple minutes there at game four, just outstanding. Um, so congratulations to the Aces. And their parade, by the way, I don't know if you guys watched it. Man. I wanted to be there so bad. Oh, my gosh. I think they were still uh, drunk from Sunday celebration. Most they definitely. Were <laughs> I don't blame them. I'll be drunk as heck, too. They be, especially – I want to. Did you see the photos though? Those smooth oh, photos yeah. of Kofi Plum smoking a cigar. So smooth. It's so legendary. I will literally ask the person who I, I want someone to print that for me. I will yeah. put that in my office. It'll be right here. <laughs> I'll be one right here. It'll be in my That's office. It's just beautiful. Yeah. It was such a beautiful photo of what it means to be a champion, right? And Chris, you know, obviously we know you're about you know, you're all in, you know the ins and outs of the WNBA and everything. Um, just watching this, just watching uh, the you know the playoffs play out. I agree with Steph. Um, Seattle was the big series that really had you at the at the edge of your seats as we as that series played out. And you warned us. You warned us. I got to give you props on this, uh, Mister WNBA Insider. Um, you definitely warned us that Seattle was going to be the one team that's going to make a little bit of noise and cause the Aces some havoc. They definitely did a little bit of that. So go in, go in depth as far as what was your thoughts behind watching that series as well as the NBA as a whole when it came to the, the playoff runs that took place leading up to the Aces winning the title. Well, the Seattle series had so many uh, – it had storylines with it, I think, just because of the fact that it was the, the old guard and Sue Bird and Breon January and even Tina Charles, too, who is a veteran in the league going up against uh, a younger team with Asia Wilson and Kelsey Plum, the people leading the way, um, Jackie Young. I don't, want to, I don't want to forget Jewel Lloyd. She's a younger player too. But, you know, Sue and Stewie and um, Tina Charles are veterans of the team. And those aforementioned two players won championships with Seattle. So it was kind of that changing of the guard, passing of the torch, that kind of storyline. Plus, Seattle was one of the best defensive teams in the league all season long. And it seemed like last two years when I was uh, the sh my short time with the next, um, when I was been working with James K on the skyhook, it seemed like so many people wanted to count Seattle out as just being past the time or other teams were going to be better. And that's what we saw from the aces the last three, maybe even four seasons. As soon as they got um, Asia Wilson and as soon as they brought in Liz Cambage, um, I remember Shea Serrano, who was not a WNBA, you know, for at the forefront of the coverage of the league, but he was like, yo, this is why this team is going to win the championship. His article was about how De'Ara Cahambi made such a difference for them. But the Aces were the uncrowned champion for the last three or four seasons. And Seattle had taken that title uh, in 2020. 
So that series was going to be cool. It was going to be so interesting. You have a boatload of dedicated, passionate fans in each fan base. And like, uh, like Steph said, game three absolutely lived up to its billing. I had the game on. We had the, the uh, Stephanie Talbot quarter of the playoffs where she went, I think she scored 11 or 12 in that quarter and was raining threes from the corner. And I was like, wow, Seattle's going to go up 2-1. And I left the room and came back, and it was a two, I think it was a one or two-point game. I was like, what just happened? And then I watched from there to the end of regulation through, um, through overtime, and was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I think somewhere somebody still is begging for Ezzy to put her hands up so Jackie Young doesn't get a free layup like she did. But that 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 series was incredible. I, I as a Sky fan, as a Sky cover, I hate I hesitate to say I want that or that should have been the finals matchup. But yeah, the Connecticut Chicago series was was extremely plotting. But it's a it's a series for the ages. Nobody's ever gonna forget that. Most definitely, man, especially when you talk about not just the performance. We, we, we talked about how, obviously, from Seattle side, what they brought to the table to make it such a series uh, for, the, for the Aces to overcome. But when you talk about the Aces side and the veteran leadership that came from that side, more specifically, Chelsea Gray, in that same game that we're talking about with game three, she went nuts in the fourth quarter in overtime. I want to say she, she scored like 20-some points within the four, fourth quarter in overtime to reel them back and, and, and lead them to that win. And then she just took over from the playoffs in general. It just seemed like since she got got that all-star snub, you know, she took that she took that very personally. And <laughs> came back and put on a, a performance for the second half of the season that's one to remember. And it led to her being the finals MVP. Um, real, real quick, Chris, I want you to highlight the importance of – Chelsea Gray and what she really brought to that team, especially in the second half of the season leading up to the playoffs, that really helped put the Aces over the hump in ways they haven't been able to in previous seasons. Um, ask any Los Angeles Sparks fan how they feel about Chelsea Gray's performance in the playoffs, and they'll tell you outright. They are still sore at Derek Fisher for running Candace and Chelsea out of Los Angeles. I, it's hard to put into perspective because we really haven't seen anything like that before in any platform in any gender, in any league, what Chelsea Gray did in the playoffs. I don't have the exact numbers, but her true shooting percentage was absolutely otherworldly. Like she was not missing those first two rounds. And then I think she only slowed down when Vegas's lack of depth, which was their only hindrance. And it only came up in the last two games of the season. And Connecticut was, was able to play the kind of defense that they wanted. And that was really the only time we saw a, a limited performance from Chelsea Gray. Otherwise, she was absolutely unstoppable at, at nearly all levels, in the paint, in the mid-range, and, and on the perimeter. And that was really necessary because Kelsey Plum went a bit cold at the beginning of the series. It seemed like um, maybe the season caught up to her somewhat. And then Jackie Young didn't have a great series shooting-wise as well. So they needed, they absolutely needed that from Chelsea Gray alongside Asia Wilson's game. Yeah, I just want to chime in and say it honestly felt like Chelsea Gray didn't miss a three. Um, she was like <laughs> kind of looking like Steph Curry. Um, I like nicknamed the team the Las Vegas Graces at one point. Um, just absolutely. I love that name. Okay, cool. I tweeted it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I tweeted that to her. She did not respond. Just want everyone to know. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, she was absolutely on fire. I mean, there are times, obviously, when you watch a game, got to get your drink, got to get your food, whatever. You don't want to step away from the game. But every time I would step back, the announcers would be like, and Gray hits the three. Like, she just barely missed a three. Um, that series would have looked a whole lot different if she went cold or if she were injured. I mean, she was really the megastar, in my opinion. MVP award was so well-deserved. I really can't believe, um, you know, she was snubbed by the All-Stars. But I really think that sort of feel ignited, especially in the Commissioner's Cup when she was the MVP there. Um, that's when they rocked Chicago. That wasn't a very fun game to watch. But, um, <laughs> you know, I started really becoming fascinated by the Aces um, when I watched the All-Star game. And a lot of players, Asia, you know, Kelsey was the MVP for the All-Star game. And I said, this team, I said, they have a lot of young talent and they're not just young and making rookie mistakes and learning like they're really good. And something that I want to highlight, um, something that James Wade said uh, in a, in a recent uh, you know, post game press conference, he said that, you know, teams that never won a championship before are hungry. And uh, that's exactly why the sky won last year. And I don't want to say that they didn't have motivation this year, but I will say that Connecticut and the Aces, neither one of them won a championship. So that's why this series was even more exciting because both teams really showed that hunger. Las Vegas, in my opinion, showed it more. I think just in general, they have way more talent. Um, but that, that quote that Wade said really stuck with me. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors, other factors that you can weigh in as well, but I really do think that Connecticut and, and Las Vegas were, were really playing their hearts out. Well, hey, that's what happens when you, uh, you know, hit the slot machine, roll the dice a little bit, and you mess around and say, win, baby, win. Like, <laughs> come on now, that's what happens. You win, baby, win. I but now you they have through, won. You threw all those in there. Shout out to Al Davis. Shout out to Al Davis, baby. <laughs> um, but because obviously his son is, is the owner of the Aces, so it's, it fits perfectly, right? But... The crazy part is they actually won. So now that they won, next year is going to be a heck of a heck of a uh, you know ride for a repeat. As Chicago Sky fans know how difficult that is to repeat, and it hasn't been done in a very long time. I forgot the exact number of years it's been done. However, it's been uh, a 20, very, 20 years. Yeah, twenty years since repeat. Right. So since, since that happened, so because of that, do I'm I'm, I'm gonna go back to you with this stuff. Do you really believe, first of all, um, we can't dismiss the impact of Becky Hammond changing the culture of that Aces franchise. But does, but how difficult is it for her to re-up on that same emphasis, that, inten that intensity that she brought being a first-year head coach and GM of, or, of, of that franchise? Like, how much of pressure is it really on Becky to follow through again and bring another championship today. Well, it's it's hard to repeat anything. Uh, if you do something great, it's it's always hard to repeat. Um, it you can barely you know copy that, do it again. Um, that's why repeat championships are so insanely difficult. That's why we'll probably never see anything like the Bulls championships ever again. 
Um, but something that, you know, and I bring up a lot of quotes here, but, you know, something that somebody asked Sue Bird in, in, in a press conference and she said once was, you can have all the same players, you can have the most talented players on the team, but things aren't always going to go right. You know, there's a little bit of luck involved on top of talent. Um, people can get injured, people can mentally not feel well or just make a dumb play, even though they've made the same shots for years. You know, there's always some sort of factor that can change. Um, so yes, repeats in general are just really difficult, but if there was anybody that was going to do it, it would be Becky Hammond. And I put my money where my mouth is. Um, I would bet it all on Becky Hammond. Just absolutely incredible. Like I, again, uh, we mentioned this uh, briefly when we, when we first met, but I'm sort of new to the, to watching WNBA so I wasn't really as familiar as many people were with Becky Hammond when I was really watching this season, but um, I've just been insanely impressed, like game in and game out with Becky Hammond, how she is behind the scenes and practices, how she is on the court, and really that game three of the semifinals like will forever blow my mind and was one of the best games of basketball I have ever watched. So I'm excited to see... Uh, what she does next year, who's coming back, who's leaving, if there are going to be any trades. Um, Las Vegas, yeah, make it to the playoffs again. I can see it. Maybe even actually uh, win, a, win a second title and maybe even a third. Who knows? I won't go that far. But um, I'm excited to see what she can do. Hi, Bron. Hi, LeBron. You talking about not one, not two, not three, <laughs> not four, not five, not six. Hey, she can win six. I mean, I'm not knocking anything. I really <laughs> am not knocking it. Everyone says it might not ever happen again. We don't know that. I mean, come on. Um, no, realistically, she does have a chance. Her her and her team really do have a chance uh, for a, a repeat championship, no doubt about it. Um, I'd like to see the sky in there again. But uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of talk is centered around Candace Parker, if she's going to return or not. Um, back in Back in May, she said that she was playing out this year like it could be her last. Um, she did mention that she wouldn't want to retire and sort of get all the uh, all the praises that like Sue Bird and, and, and Sylvia Fowles sort of got, you know, the send-offs at different stadiums this year. She kind of, Parker said she kind of wants to go out quietly. So I kind of uh, had a feeling that maybe if they happened to win uh, – if they happen to defend the title this year, that maybe she'd be on the court with Holly Rowe and, and just say, I'm done, Holly. Like, that's it. <laughs> it and like, imagine like the articles and you know, like, that would just be the talk of the town. But I think that that would just be so Candace Parker's vibe just to do that. And basically to say peace out and, and just, and just leave. Um, but I, in my opinion, I want to get your opinions on this as well. But in my opinion, I think that Candace is going to come back. I think she's at least got one or two, at least one. I'm going to say minimum one. Um, and she's going to come back. And I don't think she has anything to prove. She's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Has the most awards, you know, some of the most awards in, in WNBA history. But I think that, uh, you know, she kind of, again, not has something to prove, but she wants to, you know, show herself that she can continue playing the sport that she loves, um, see how her body handles it, see how her mind handles it. Um, I really do think she's got one year left and 
then she'll quietly leave, but we won't see the last of her. You know, she'll definitely still continue broadcasting and, and we'll see her time and time again. I wonder about that, Steph. That's an interesting um, that's an interesting way to look. James and I discussed this on the Skyhook. Uh, I think the episode's coming out soon if it hasn't already. But I was reminded of some former players on the uh, NBA. I think it was on on court or, or off court that the offseason show that, that Ernie would host with former NBA players. And there was a question that came up uh, with, with the guys on. It was like, when did you know it was time to hang it up? And there was a, there was a few good answers. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I think, had the best one where he said that he usually – would um, kind of like sit by his pool or just out on the deck or whatever before the games. And there, and then he would get ready for the game. Once it was game time, he had like either an alarm or just an internal clock and he would know, okay, it's time to get ready to go. And there was one day he was sitting out there and he just didn't want to leave the pool. And he was like, that's when I knew it was time. And I was saying on the show, Candace, I'm sure she has a space in the, out in California, out West, because nobody who... Nobody's trying to winter in in Naperville if they can help it. No disrespect to Naperville, but they, I feel like if there's gonna if there's a time, it'll be this summer where she's with her wife, she's with her daughters, and they're just kind of walking, and she's just like, it'll be time to go practice, it'll be time to go lift, it'll be time to go do something, and then she's gonna be like, you know, I just want to keep hanging out, and that's when you know, that's when she's gonna know. I don't know if it's going to happen. But I'm saying if it does, it would be this winter sometime in like December or, or even January, which is just like, you know, at this time. And I don't know, honestly, if the fans would let her not have a farewell tour because of, you know, two different factors. We saw all these retirements this past season of players from the early 2000s who came in, Sue, Diana, um, Kia Vaughn, Sylvia Fowles, and... For Candace to go out in the offseason, she said in her exit interviews she doesn't want to cheat the game, and I respect that. If she feels like she had an underwhelming series against Connecticut and it just wasn't like she didn't have the the get-up-and-go that she, that she used to have or wanted to have, I get that. But the way that fans had to basically clamor and demand for the WNBA to recognize that Sylvia Fowles' career was ending – if Candace just goes out on this on the sneak tip, like fans would be so upset. Like they want to, they want to rain these gifts on her at every single stop. And I get if she's not the person who wants that, but man, fans would feel so they would feel cheated if she left in the offseason with just like, you know what? I made the decision to retire. And they were like, Candace, we didn't get to say goodbye. So I, especially in LA, all these other places that absolutely love her, not Connecticut necessarily, but these other places, <laughs> it would, it's, it's true, man. It's true. It would, it would be a shame if Candace did go out in the off season, but I'm, I'm kind of with stuff. I said 40, 60, I think it's 40%. She comes back and it might go up depending on what we see. I think those percentages are good. And, and she's, she's not the average player, right? She's not the player that played three years and, you know, maybe they, uh, maybe the announcers give her a quick shout out that, you know, she's retiring. Oh, and everybody claps. Like she is Candace bleep, 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 bleep Parker. (laughs) (laughs) She absolutely deserves a send off. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know Candace, her day-to-day life, but I imagine that she'd have some sort of regret if she didn't get that farewell. I mean, 
if you saw any if you saw any of Sue Bird or Sylvia Fowles farewell tours, the people that in the stands that cried, the people in the stands that had all this all the signs and you know there were fans that have watched them for 20 years you know ever since they were little kids and then to have their daughters or sons to be with their their signs and their jerseys like it was so emotional and that just really meant a lot and then to see like Sylvia and Sue in their in their final interviews with Holly Rowe like just crying like taking it all in like Candace deserves that and maybe she, again she doesn't want that attention but I don't know. I, I think maybe we should give her a surprise farewell, farewell tour. Like she just, <laughs> I think she would regret it if she went home without one. I I I, I love. I would like to agree with you guys because they're all great points. But you know, when I think about the last dance and how everyone knew that this was the last dance, and even Jordan was like, "I'm okay with going away again, regardless," because at the end of the day. You know, he just knew it was time, at least with that specific team with the Bulls. I think as much as I want Candace to come back and would love the farewell tour and all the love at every game and, and things of that sort, I think she knows when it's time. And in that exit interview, she said she didn't necessarily say it was the last time. Like, like Chris said, she doesn't want the game. She doesn't want to cheat the game. I respect you know, that. But sitting in that press conference room and looking at her speak about the last go around and people asking the questions about, is this the last? Or if it is the last, what would you say? She talked a lot about what it meant to play at home and what it meant to represent the home, her families and friends as they grew up watching her play. And for the kids that want, that grew up and, and with all that taking place, let's just say that for me personally, it did feel like, even though she didn't make a decision, she thought about it for a little bit. It looked like, felt like she thought about it for a little while, as closer as the, closer to the, especially as the playoffs began to wind wind down. And I think a part of me is like, she doesn't want to leave the game just yet because she had such a bad last game, where she only averaged like nine points and I think six rebounds. I was like, she didn't have a great game. So that would, I wouldn't I don't I can't see her wanting to end her career on a bad note like that. However, I think she also is like, I did what I came home to do. I won my championships with the Lakers. I mean with the Sparks. I won my championship coming back home to the sky. If I go out on this note, that's okay. I'm 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 well into my next phase of my career with the broadcasting, the commercials and endorsements. I'm cool. So I can see it playing both ways. And I do think, unfortunately, for the sky and for fans out there, this is the last dance. And that's why I, I uh, wrote my piece on the last dance, the sky's last dance. But you can check also on War Media's website and Substack. Um, so because of that, with the, with the rumors still being out there that she might be leaving, the sky in general might have to transition. When you talk about not just Candace Parker leaving, you also have question marks with Allie Quigley and her retirement rumors and uh, rumors of Vandersloot possibly leaving the sky uh, to go to another team. Let me ask you this, uh, Chris. What's the direction that the sky should take bearing 
that Candace Parker does retire and Ali quickly does retire. What what what's the direction that this guy should go to rebound from this unfortunate, uh, in a lot of ways, disappointing season? That's tough. Um, and there's a lot more surrounding that question than just the salary cap. The sky have a lot of contracts coming up, as, as you mentioned. Um, Candace's contract is up. Courtney and Allie's contracts are up. Um, Emma's contract is up this year. She only signed a one-year deal. And so it's, it's hard to say, especially with prioritization being a factor this coming season, too, uh, that clause in the collective bargaining agreement that stipulates you know, anybody who doesn't come over before a certain time, uh, their contracts will be suspended for the season or they won't be allowed to play in the WNBA. So a lot of players who make bread overseas, Rebecca Gardner, the fan favorite being one of them, are going to have to make decisions. Emma Mieseman said that her home is in Belgium and it's hard for her to come over here for a, you know, a length of time and then go back. And she's already go, she's, I think she left that day after they did the exit interviews to go to start um, training with the team for this World Cup that's going on right now. Actually, that game is going to be played, if it's not, I think in about an hour it starts, the USA versus Belgium. And so the, not only do the Sky have to decide who they want to keep, the players have to decide, are they going to be able to stick it out? Are they going to be able to play? Um, and that's a tough question for everybody to add, for everybody to answer. Kalia Copper's under contract, and you have um, Azrae Stevens' contract up as well. I think those are the players that you essentially build around if Candace doesn't come back. If Candace does come back, you still have Cog maintaining her role, and you've seen what Azrae Stevens can do. She was a great sixth woman of the year candidate, even though she didn't win. And I think her game is continuing to grow, uh, which is fantastic after she had an injury short in the first go around in Dallas. Outside of that, you have to figure out whether the next season, based on what I mentioned, is that going to be a, we are going to push our chips in again. We feel like we can compete for a championship. Or are you kind of retooling, using this as a retooling year and going in a slightly different direction? It's, it's really hard to say exactly where you want to go because not only do you have salary cap considerations to think about, you have that prioritization to think about, and you have a number of players who are nearing the tail end of their careers, and you don't want your franchise to hinge on those decisions necessarily, even with all those players have done for you. Those three players, Ali, Courtney, Candace, they don't necessarily owe the franchise. They didn't know the franchise anything at the outset. They don't know the franchise. They don't know the city. They don't know the fans anything more than they've already given them. They gave this team a championship. The Chicago Sky didn't make the playoffs for the first, I think, six years of their existence. And then 10 years after, no, nine years after that, they won a WNBA championship. And Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley were on both of those finals teams that they had. So they don't know the, the franchise anything more than they have already given. It's beholden to the franchise to make the decision, are, they gonna, are we going to go with Ka and Z and move to this youth movement, Dana and Ruthie in higher rotation as well? Or do we try to pull Candace and Courtney back <clears throat> and see what we can get out of the next season? That's tough, man. Uh, it's it's real tough. I think they should go the Kai direction. Uh, KFC needs to just 
They, you know, KFC. KFC <laughs> to come at it, baby. She need to come through with it. Um, I think that's the direction they need to take. But I think adding someone like or being able to bring back someone, at least Candace Parker to come back, actually elevates Kai's game to a point where she works to a point where she can be the Kai that we know. Um, and that's going to be a vital component to this team that's going to be lost if they if Candace does not come back. So with this taking place, Steph, I'm going, going to you. Say that, yes, they decided to retool. A lot of the major component players are gone, and they just say, okay, we're going to build around Kai. What is the number one component of her game that you have seen that you think she needs to really work on to take on this bigger role for the team next season? Just becoming louder. Um, you know, I, I know you mentioned she plays better with Candace, but, you know, your mentor, your mentor is obviously going to retire. You know, your mentors aren't not going to be by your side all the time. And, and something when I, when I watch games, when I watch clips, Candace is louder than James Wade. Like she you would think that she's the coach on, on the court and, and on the bench. She's, she's like talking about plays. She's getting everybody hyped. Everybody's listening to Candace. They're barely listening to James. I don't even mean that in a, a mean way. Like that's how much of an impact Candace has. That's how much of a basketball IQ has. You know, don't forget that um, Candace was once under Lisa Leslie's wing when, when she first joined the team. So this is exactly how I kind of see it, is that Ka is under Parker's wing. Parker was under Leslie's wing. Eventually, you know, people retire, people get traded, things like that happen. Um, so it's time for Ka in, in this next year or so, if Candace does leave, it's time for her to be the, the loud loudest person she can be on the team to be that voice to be that leader to not only share what candace ha has has shown her but cause really grown to and has become one of the top players in the league so she really needs to just show her own voice not not what other people have 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 told her in the past and have taught her in the past like she really needs to teach these young players the things that she's learned on her own as well and um, yeah, I, I think that she's she is the she will be the star player when everybody does leave. You know, Quigley and Bannersloot, they're sort of question marks as well. You know that they're getting older. I think they're in their late thirties, so they might have a couple years left. I don't really see them uh, playing in the next five years, especially on the sky. So it's really up to as you mentioned, the team to build around Ka. And I'd actually like to see more playing time from Dana Evans as well. Um, yes. I think Dana's absolutely a fantastic player. She's actually um, – I'm from Northwest Indiana. Dana's also from uh, Northwest Indiana. So two, 219, region rat, represent. I have to give that shout-out. <laughs> Dana, Dana's awesome. I really enjoyed watching her play when she – she doesn't always get the time, but when she does, she's really good. And uh, Rebecca Gardner, I mean, James Wade uh, picked her up when he was watching, you know, games in, in France. You know, he lives in France. Uh, he, his home is in France. So somebody, I think it was actually his wife that recommended he watch her last season or a couple seasons ago in, uh, overseas. And, and he liked what he saw and he signed her. And, you know, she she uh, was one of the members of, of the winning team. So you know, maybe it's time to uh, scout some more players overseas. There's a lot of talent. 
don't forget that there's a lot of talent you can draft as well. I'm excited to see uh, Caitlin Clark from University of Iowa. You know, I think she'll be eligible in the next two years. So, you know, hopefully she can make a Midwest return. Um, that would be really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the WNBA, not only the sky, just the entire league. Um, it's really has, it's slowly, but surely growing. And, um, I think that this year, especially, you know, I keep bringing up that game three of the semifinals. It was, I think it was one of the most watched and, um, you know, Seattle's Seattle stadium, Las Vegas stadium, you know, they were continuously sold out during the playoffs and you just love to see it. I, I don't really like the naysayers that are saying that, you know, WMEA doesn't matter. It's not growing. It's a waste. It's not. It's it's so much fun. And um, I just I'm so looking forward to see again, not what the sky can do, but the rest of the league can do in the years to come. I, I can't say more than that, honestly. Um, any, I, I think my, my guy, Kristen Braswell, 808s and Snack Blakes, put it best. It's like the people who watch, watch, and the people who don't are going to probably comment, but they're not watching, so they don't really matter. Those stadiums were full. Um, a friend of mine here went to the Connecticut-Las Vegas game two, and she said it was a, it was a madhouse at Mandalay Bay. And I'm really hoping that other um, arenas follow suit. Not everybody can do what the Aces can do because they have that Mark Davis money. They have that um, that wealth fund to to delve into. But as time goes on, as Steph is saying, I think there's some things that are that people are forcing through in terms of change, in terms of marketing, in terms of visibility for the league that really couldn't have come about without uh, loud voices, without the players, without the people who are fans of the league putting those things out there. But as time goes on, uh, the, uh, the people who, the entities who own these teams are really going to see that they have to put their money up where their mouth is. We've seen discussion around charter flights, things that were put in the CBA about uh, maternity leave, about not doubling up in hotel rooms, um, all sorts of things that were necessary for the promulgation of a professional league. Those things are going to start coming. And that all comes with money. That all comes with increased profile, but specifically ownership. That's going to really make a difference. 100%. I agree with you guys. You know, I don't blame you, Steph, for doing a shout-out. But as Chris knows, I give my shout-out to Candace Parker all the time. 630, baby. That's what we do. That's, That's what we do. <laughs> 630, baby. We win. So I understand. Completely understand. But I'm also uh, in agreement with you guys as well as far as the, the growing up the league and where this league is technically going. Um, this, I think it's um, just like in the NBA, it's always great when the major sports media market teams are winning. And with the Sky being able to win their championship and be really relevant uh, from a playoff perspective, the beautiful thing to see. A beautiful thing to see. So we'll see how the Chicago Sky uh, do and what they're going to do or plan to do in this offseason. Um, as they have some pretty tough decisions to make. And some of the players as well got some tough decisions to make as well. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, Chris, you mentioned ownership and how these owners are, uh, are going to have to take things to the next level for this league um, as time goes on. You know, that's a very, very true statement because, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a slot that is open right now. I don't know if you uh, – you know, you know, you hear about what's going on in Phoenix, you know, with uh, this – Robert Sarver situation is a little, a little messed up. We don't, we don't approve of that here. You know, just putting that out there. But um, 
you know, the, the mercury are available. So I don't know about you. I'll throw my bed in for about a couple hundred. I'll throw my bed in. You can make me, you can give me the point zero 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 one percent of the minority stake. I'll take it. I just want my name on the paper. You know, I'm good. I'll take that. You know, but that spot is available. So if you want to throw in your bid in, Chris, you know, we know you're the money man around here. You know, you're in your celebrity or status. We'd love to have you join this ownership group, you know, for our own bid. But if it's Mercury, you know, I'm cool with that, you know, if you really want to. I, I only wish that we lived in a time where what the Green Bay Packers have was still allowed by these leagues. So there weren't just, you know, tech billionaires and old money white dudes and this and that and the other um, in charge of these franchises. The one thing I will say about Mark Davis that I really do enjoy, because he rides hard for the Aces. It was, it was documented that he skipped out on the Raiders game to go watch that game, is which he should have done. This was a championship series. But he really does ride hard for the Aces. He was at the Commissioner's Cup game, sitting courtside. There was a review on a call that got went their way, and I heard him say, it's like, that's right. Yes. And he was in it. And the best thing that he did after they won game four was that um, Holly Rowe asked him something about mentioning him not being at the Raiders game and then what he did for the franchise. And he said, this is for the city of Las Vegas and pretty much got the fuck out of the way, which is what every single owner should do. They didn't necessarily win the game. They didn't win the games. <laughs> they put the money up, but they didn't win the games. And I need to see owners who are willing to do that. Barring that, if we can somehow change the laws, I would love for everybody to get $20, $30 together and put up $100. We'll get this ownership group going. And it'll be a democratic, uh, we will all be in the board of directors, like a publicly traded business. Let's get it. Let's do that. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I love it. But um, since we talk about the WNBA and the fact that this ownership opportunity is now available, we obviously have seen other NBA players uh, be vocal about how if they could put their own stake in the WNBA, they would. LeBron James uh, and, and stars like down the line. But I had this thought as I was uh, reading up more on this situation. And, you know, there are rumors, you know, the rumors are true about, you know, Candace Parker potentially being off scene. You know, she does have a second career, per se, going on with, you know, with broadcasting and endorsements and things of that sort. So she, and so she makes some pretty decent money, pretty good money. Uh, what if she actually has a stake in in one of these ownership teams and, you know, becomes part of these, in one of these ownership groups to where she could, you know, be owned, be part one of the owners of the Mercury, you know, just, just putting something out there as, as an idea. Cause when you talk about the gap between the WNBA and NBA, especially from a support perspective and financially, why Candace Parker is the ideal person to just slide in there and say, hey, you know, this is a representative of someone that knows how to get the, to work with the best of the best in NBA, but she is a she is one of the faces, legendary faces of WNBA, and she has been vocal and adamant about creating the change she wants to see. You know, as one as one of those main leaders, why not? I mean, slide her in. I even, I asked Dana about this, and she told me. I would love for that to happen and hope that happens because she, if anyone could do it and represent the WNBA in the way 
that it needs to be represented while correlating with the NBA because of the respect that, that they get from NBA players, Candace would be the perfect person to do it. So, Steph, does your, you know, Northwest Indiana uh, shout-out friend have a point in getting Candace Parker to join an ownership group, especially being part, especially not just for the WNBA, but the men NBA as well? Is that a good idea? Well, that's a great idea, especially Candace, just being, again, the basketball mind on and off the court, the business woman that she is. Oh, my gosh. Completely intelligent. I want to see her on a Shark Tank episode. I don't know why <laughs> we have a on the t- all the time. Like, they should have Candace Parker. Come on. You hear that, Shark Tank? I know you're watching. Um, but, yeah, Candace would be excellent on Shark Tank. Back to your point, yes, I think she'd be a great owner. However, I don't know if she'd ever really be able to put the game down because if something's not going right, I think she's going to put her put a jersey on, get back on the court, and show them how it's done. You know, especially that round one of playoffs, they weren't they weren't doing too too well there. So I think Candace would be like, put me in, I'm going in. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I you know, all jokes aside, I think she would be an incredible owner, not just like a minority owner or you know, just have like 0.1%. Like, I think she would be a great full-time or majority owner. Um, Just even the way that she speaks to the media and to the people and and to staff and and to everybody, she's a leader. We discussed this. She's a leader. She's a voice. She's a voice of the WNBA. Um, Honestly, let's have her be commissioner. Why not? You know? Okay, no knocks on Kathy, but like, you know, I think Candace would be one hell of a commissioner, and I think we would see the game grow way quicker in Candace's hands. I think she's got more ideas. I actually think a lot of players, especially former players, you know, listen to Sue Bird interviews, Diana Taurasi. They always have what the what the WNBA should do and how the NBA can help. Like, they have all these ideas, and I feel like nobody's listening to them. And that bothers me. And also, side note, whoever designed the Commissioner's Cup jersey uh, shirts, the uh, the shirts that the players wore after the game, I was really upset with those. It really looked like they <laughs> made them out of Microsoft Word. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so angry with those. Uh, I, I honestly could have done better, and I, I would like to submit designs. Um, so if anybody has that email or that contact, I will gladly submit designs. Um, yeah, I just think that the game is sometimes taking taken it's just not really taken seriously and i think you know when kelsey won that little trophy you know it's it's moments like that it's the commissioner's cup jersey or sure i keep saying jersey um the uh the even the wnba trophy itself is like you know pretty i can't where's my camera there it is pretty tiny as well but um you know i i think that Come on, we, there's there's got to be some money in the WNBA. Let's let's get better designs. You know, let's get more awareness. You know, let's get fans that are get excited about buying merch. You know, I I do think that the Aces have the coolest jerseys. The Aces and the Storm. I really like the uh, the Black Storm. I think it's their home jersey. Um, oh yeah, the coolest jersey. But you know, there are some jerseys that I'm like, did a did a kid design this? I don't I don't know. Like, I I just think that. You know, I just keep thinking if you if there was you know NBA Commissioner's Cup and there was no way that LeBron would have wore that clip art shirt. So come on, we got to do better for the WNBA here. I will 
gladly submit designs for free. Like that's how much I want more uh, awareness. Uh, I just want I just want the WNBA to to do better. That's all. I agree. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Steph, because I hope nobody forgot that that <laughs> that was such a wild moment. And, and sorry, I was getting ahead of myself. That was such a wild moment to see Kelsey Plum hold up that. AYSO participation trophy after the end of what is supposed to be the marquee midseason event of the league. It was so bad. And I'm glad you brought up the shirts because I didn't actually see the shirts. Oh, please check them out. I, I will look that up. And then there was all the hubbub about All-Star Weekend and how badly that went off too with the events being over at McCormick Place rather than the stadium and um, some behind-the-scenes stuff with credentials and how those were given out. As good as the basketball was this year, and it was good. We got some We got some of Elena Deladon back in Washington. Uh, the Dallas Wings made the playoffs, which I said at the beginning of the season and hardly anybody agreed with. Shout-out to me. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to big myself up. Um, we got some great basketball this year, but administratively, the league fell down on a lot, and uh, prioritization was something that the players agreed to. So we can't just blame that on the league. Sabria Whitaker has been very out, outspoken about that. The CBA came up. The players agreed to what they agreed to, and prioritization was given a backseat until now when it kicks in. So the league has – they still have kind of the upper hand in this. It's hard. I think it will be a while before we see a former player become – uh, commissioner or, or even like say the the executive vice president in terms of player relations or something like that whatever that the the post is always held in the MNBA when it comes to discipline and usually get a former player in that role but the league has a long way to go with that so I think that's going to be very interesting coming up not this offseason maybe but the next one because the players the the um, WNBPA the Players Association, it's going to be a test of how strong their bond is as a union, as a true union. And in basketball, that means a lot. Basketball, professional basketball in the United States has always had a very strong culture in terms of union, partially because they came about much later than the other sports and partially because it is a heavier black and brown league. So I think player um, rights and um, – so like player rights and, and abilities, what they're able to do is very important. But as people said, I think Kayla Davis was talking on a Twitter space. It's hard for players to say, are we going to give up this money overseas? Or or if the player, if some people don't come back, Brianna Stewart doesn't come back. It's hard for other players to say, okay, I'm not going to take this job if they're offering it. So you're not going to necessarily have this unbroken line of support for players who are going to say, well, if nope, if we're not, they're not playing, we're not playing too. Some people are going to want to get that that job, get that profile, get that money, get that spot in the starting rotation in the WNBA. So there's going to be a very a, a, a point, a tipping point of some sort soon in terms of labor relations coming up for the league and the players. Watch out for that. Oh yeah, most definitely. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought up the point about. Um players having to make that tough choice of boycotting per se, where the boycotting when it comes to the money, because when you talk about what's currently going on in Russia still, I mean, 
You see the bottom of the screen. Bottom of the cast. Bring Griner home. She should be home by now. And we support BG. Uh, just like we support the WNBA. So hit up wearebg.org and you and, and show your support in any effort to help bring Brittany Griner home. But because of what's going on in Russia, because she went overseas to make that money before coming before trying to come back for the uh, WNBA season, there's reports going around saying that WNBA players are actually boycotting and playing over there. So when you talk about, Chris, that, that, that moment in time where boycott is going to become an issue because they're already dealing with the, the, the back and forth of, of pretty much struggling just to make ends meet by going overseas. It's going to be very important for the league to grow now because that, so that way they don't have to deal with this type of stuff anymore. They can just stay in the U.S. and make a good, honest living for themselves as, and that's higher and, than what they currently are experiencing now. And so they ain't got to, so they can automatically boycott because they ain't got to go overseas. But with that taking place right now, Talk about the importance. I'm going. To, I'll go. I'll go to you on this step. The importance of WNBA players putting their foot down and saying, "As much as you know, we need this bread. As much as I want to go overseas and make this money." With Russia, by the way, being one of the top leagues that pay a lot of money for WNBA players to play, for them to say no, that's a statement to not just um, the WNBA uh, from a financial perspective. Them, and them, you know, cutting their ties from per se of extra money, but really showing out support for their fellow colleague per se and Bernie Griner, and trying to send the message of the of the wrong of the wrongdoing that's being taken place in Russia. Talk about the importance of that and what that really means for the NBA. Yeah, I mean, they really have to um, advocate for themselves. It's really, it's really difficult to do, and I'm really sad that they even have to go overseas to play. It's really dangerous. Like even if you're traveling, you know, just the average person traveling, it can be dangerous. So I can't imagine, you know, going overseas uh, just like you said to actually make money. They're not doing it really to make extra money. Like they're really doing it to, you know, provide for their lifestyle and for for their family and. You know, I'm sure maybe some of their spouses maybe don't work or, or don't have um, as high profile, you know, as a job as professional athletes. So, you know, they're going to make money and they're also going to work on their skills. So um, I really think that, you know, the issue here with with Brittany Griner, it's so sad. It, I mean, she is very much wrongfully detained. I know there's a lot of people that disagree and say that she belongs, you know, she belongs there. And I, I disagree with that. But um you know, everybody brings up that point of, well, you would never see LeBron or you never see Steph Curry overseas. Well, you wouldn't see them overseas because they're making so much money that, you know, they don't even know what to do with it. You know, they'll they'll go to their graves with millions and millions upon millions still in their pockets. So, um, you know, but it, it, I feel like, you know, roles reversed if for some reason, let's I mean, let's say they were in the Olympics or, you know, whatever this scenario might be like if they were overseas for, you know, again, the Olympics or, or, or something else and they were wrongfully detained, I feel like the NBA would get bigger stars home and, and fans, I feel like, w would petition and probably be lined outside of the White House. And I feel like, you know, with the bigger stars, it would be, um, there would be more of an effort to bring them home. Whereas, like, again, with women's basketball, I feel like, 
it, it's sort of overlooked and you know there's sexism and racism and you know homophobia that plays in with bg so um it really breaks my heart so um again just for, for players to really to really speak up you know I, I'm not really sure what the next step is, but um, you know, I, I think that definitely the president has to uh, has to um, you know do a do a better job in in bringing BG home. Well, Steph, obviously, we thank you so much, so much for taking your time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us and run with us, three man weaving this thing, every transition to get our layup with the fillet. The jelly, every time, every time. We won the game, baby. And I thank you so much for coming on, coming on, coming, uh, joining us to run through three man weave this thing with us. So um, that being said, man, we're gonna continue the transition to uh, hold on, stay on real quick, stuff. We're gonna transition because you know, like I said, we do have a celebrity in the house. Uh. <laughs> Do have a celebrity in the house, Chris? Uh, you definitely uh, was on TV recently. You know, you was experience. You were you were showing off your you know, you know your knowledge and wisdom of all the topics on the show. You was on prime time. You know, you can you weren't even in Chicago. You you weren't even <laughs> in Chicago. You you had to go two hours west. Two, hey Josh, you got to fly to Los Angeles, man. <laughs> I wish that was a two-hour flight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, all right. I won't take that. I won't take it away from you. Go on ahead, man. I, 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 yeah, I mean, let's put it this way: I had to wake up two hours. If if you if you was recording at the time you was recording, then yeah, I would have to wake up two hours prior to the actual recording just to make sure I even catch you live, which shows how much dedication. And how much of a celebrity I really view you as. I'm going to take my time and take two hours extra to watch you do your thing. And so does Kyle, which is the boss, the founder, the real one that makes this possible. He has come on the show with us. Big dog, what's happening, man? You scared him. <laughs> too much. The intro was too much. <laughs> Steph, if you get back on the show, you will you will note that Josh has that um Josh has that wrestling manager energy. And so he's gonna he's gonna super hype you up when you come through. And sometimes, you know, I guess Kyle wasn't quite ready for that. He's a natural, he's more of a fan favorite, and they don't necessarily need wrestling managers. So I think that's that's what happened. <laughs> Well, you know how this goes, Chris. You know what? I, I gotta, uh, I gotta do what I gotta do to represent, uh, represent my people. And uh, when I think you a celebrity, I'm gonna give you the emphasis and let the world know that you are a celebrity. So, uh, <laughs> right. I, I should have brought the hat out. We got a hat and a tote bag, but I was on Jeopardy. Um, when filmed in August, and the episode aired this afternoon in Chicago. Um, late uh, around now, or an hour earlier, an hour ahead of now, um, in other time zones, and it was cool. I will say that very much. It was something I wanted to do for a long time. Been a trivia person for a long time. Uh, honestly, been a you know a, 
what would you say, a, a reformed gifted child. There's a lot <laughs> that goes around on, on the internet now. But that was one of my things that I was like, yeah, I want to I figure out a way to quantify how much I really know. And trivia was always a way to do it. And I looked at Jeopardy, it was like, that was the end all be all. That was the thing. That was the big thing that you could possibly do in terms of knowing stuff. And so uh, when I heard about the academic bowls, scholastic bowl, um, oh my gosh, what is the Heritage Bowl? I wanted to do Heritage Bowl back in high school for Chicago area folks. Y'all know what the Heritage Bowl is. Uh, but it was all it was all getting to jeopardy. And it was cool to do the show. I didn't I, I didn't end up having the uh, result that I wanted. That's a spoiler. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Maybe I, maybe I wanted to get out of Los Angeles. You never know. Uh, maybe that was, maybe that was what I wanted. Hey, depending on now right, that my, my going, fault, I, ain't leaving, I ain't leaving LA. <laughs> I love LA too much. I ain't leaving LA. No, it was, <laughs> so you different, Chris. You different. It was definitely dope. Um, the, yeah, I was, thank you. I will, I will say this. If any of you get on Jeopardy, if anybody on the show getting on Jeopardy, if anybody on the show gets on Jeopardy, if anybody out there is watching, wants to get on Jeopardy. Do not move apartments and then have a layover, overnight layover in Las Vegas the two days before you you film. Because I was running on that bad boy in absolute fumes. I was so tired <laughs> in there. And you really want a full night's sleep. So... Make sure you don't schedule any big life events around your filming date. I will definitely say that. So who's the host now? Is it Ken Ken Jennings? It was it was Ken for that one. I think Maya Bialik has sometimes too. I think they split. I can't remember if there's a, a third host because they were doing that rotating celebrities uh, for a while. But Ken and Maya are the hosts as far as I know right now. I was very I was honestly hoping for uh, Mayim just because I was I watched Blossom when I was a kid and I was, was going to try not to make a Blossom joke but then try to, you know, I really wanted to say something. <laughs> but Ken is, a, Ken is a great host too. He's very friendly. He, um, I was on another game show and he was on that, The Chase. And I think something, something that came up sparked his memory. It was in my, um, they, they asked you for interview topics. Like, what do you want to talk about? What do you want the host to talk about? And he's like, you were on the chase with Elliot. Yeah, Elliot was a great player. Because my guy Elliot Yates from the chase, one Jeopardy, one Wheel of Fortune. He is, Elliot's fucking great. So all of this to say, um, Jeopardy was fantastic. I'm sorry I didn't bring the little hat that we got. But um, I hope that some of y'all out there, you two and, and anybody who's watching us, gets to achieve whatever dreams they want because this is a dream of mine for years and years and years and I got to achieve it. That's that awesome, man. I'm so happy. <laughs> Can I get an autograph next time I see you, please? Yeah. Drew, don't ask me for an autograph, bro. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. You're going you're to have people wondering who I am and it's like, what is this? You know, it's like, what is this? this who is this guy? What is the point? <laughs> Why is everybody so up about this? You're going to have people wonder, was it like, what? Does he play ball? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't. No, nah, he does something much better than that. Anything <laughs> much better. I, 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 can, I can lay out the foundation of what makes Chris Pinnock Chris Pinnock. <laughs> <Pinnacle, man. laughs> For real, we're setting crazy standards. We may be on TV, man. but I didn't get on to L.A. to do a TV show. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm jealous. 
I'm jealous of that. <laughs> no, for real though, man, Chris, I believe you did your thing, man. And uh, I, I did. I didn't get a chance to fully see it, but I did record it. I'm gonna watch the recording of it. Um, yeah, Josh, well, Josh, like my man, Josh here got a VCR. I'm, I'm proud of you, bro. <laughs> I really am. Hey, man, you know you gotta take advantage of the, of the uh, you know how um, flow comes through with the with, from Progressive with the bundle packages. Gotta take, yep. gotta take advantage of your bundle uh, packages sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yes. So uh, yeah, most definitely uh, did that. Um, hopefully, but it looks like Kyle. Hopefully, Kyle issues is taken care of. Obviously, we got another celebrity on the show. Uh, we have the maestro himself, you know, because he be he 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 be writing with the pen. He just nasty with it. That's Drew, Drew Stevens, man. Um, glad the whole crew is back on the show. <laughs> Most love it, you know. Love everything going on. Obviously, uh, Steph, thank you so much for the WNBA talk. Really appreciate it. Um, and obviously, we're gonna keep in touch. We look forward to having you back on the show and. Where can everybody find you on your uh, social media? Yeah, please find me. I'm mostly on Twitter. It's uh, Steph Strump, S-T-E-P-H-S-T-R-E-M-P-17. It's my favorite number of all time. Um, you'll just find me making lame jokes on Twitter. Uh, lately, I've uh, been making a lot of uh, WNBA references. So if you like things of that nature, go ahead and follow me there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And um, oh, it looks like Kyle dropped off. So um, it looks like he's handling his connection issues uh, real quick. But um, that being that being said, uh, Drew. Yes, sir. My guy, we got some NBA talk to, uh, to follow up on because clearly it's been a heck of a day, heck of a day. And within this heck of a day, it involves. One and only Robert Sarver. We briefly talked about it earlier on the show from a WNBA perspective, but you know this guy now he, he owned he owned both. He was a big timer. You know he's a big time. He had big money, and he bought. He was he was the owner of Mercury and the uh, Phoenix Suns, but now that both he's you got to get both. So up for sale. We talked about from the Mercury side of things, but at the same time, it is also the Phoenix Sun side of things. So, Drew, um, what does this mean overall for the NBA? And who would you like to come in and uh, deal some of that ownership? Because I already, because I Chris and I already put our bids in for the Mercury. I'll put my bid in for the Suns too, for the Suns as well. So, who do you think uh, should be able to take that ownership seat? Uh, well, in terms of your, your the first question, I think. Um... It's, it's, it's they kind of Sarver almost kind of helped the NBA get over what happened last week and and how they kind of went on the more of the lenient side in, in terms of punishment um, by agreeing to to sell both teams that he that he owns. Um, so in, in that in that regard, it's a good look. Um, like I said, because it kind of saves the day. But I was a little thrown off by some of the language he used in in, in the statement. Um, you know. Basically, to, to the effect that uh, you know the words that he said most recently have overshadowed the two decades worth of, of organization building that he um, says that he led with the Phoenix area, and um, you know talking about how we're in a, a 
a, a non-forgiving society. Like, I mean, that's 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 how thin that margin is when you decide to play, you know, the misogynist or the racist. Like, it it, it can undo everything that you built. I mean, that's plain and simple. It's, it's it's as easy as that. So, I mean, for him to to say those things in that statement kind of took me aback. Um, but it also reading reading some of the the comments that staffers said who were um, listed in that first report that came out, somebody alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, they, they hope to see that more men who are involved in this or who didn't say anything or step up, they would like to see them rooted out as well. So I don't think, I think there's more fallout to come. Obviously this is the biggest uh, kind of domino that will fall. So we just kind of have to see where that goes, but um, I'm glad that a new owner will be in in place if if for nothing else just to have a better work environment you know get get away from this uh nonsense that was that was going on in that organization as well as possibly an, an owner who was willing to put more money into a championship winning team um on both sides of the coin in terms of your your last question i, I need to know who you guys threw out in terms of um who you would like to see uh take over the mantle for the mercury and the suns I need, I need some, I need some rope. <laughs> Honestly, you know, man. It's us. Oh yeah, that was that's, that. that's all we'll I really want. I don't. Are we I, in? <laughs> I do not want some hedge fund billionaire. I don't want some tech billionaire. I don't want any billionaire taking over another team, because a friend of mine said once, um, and this was this was on the intro for my podcast. It was such a good quote. You cannot make a great business in this country without sacrificing ethics. And no matter what, somebody who has bags of money, who has Scrooge McDuck money, has done something shady to get it and keep it. And, you know, honestly, that was the reason why I wasn't a fan of, of JB when he first came in, because I was like, yo, this is just another millionaire billionaire who wants to go into public office. Granted, he's done it really, 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 really well and put people around him, shout out Juliana Stratton, shout out people, putting up people around him who can get the job done. That's why Darren Bailey and them are so so shit scared and you got this wealth manager from Wheaton talking about, oh, he's done such a bad job. It's like, yeah, because nigga, you are not accumulating bread. <laughs> Sorry, this is a sports show. It's all good, man. Hey, hey they, they, they merge sometimes, bro, so it's okay. It's very, it's a pulled sports and politics are, are right here for sure. Mm -hmm. But I really, I, I can't put a name out there, Drew, because I don't want any of those cats. The only person that, you know what? Serena Williams. That's who I'm going to go. I will, I would say Serena and Alexis can be like a 5% owner. Um, that's it. So Serena Williams, that's my, that's my. <laughs> okay. What about you, Josh? Who would you have in mind? I had Candace Parker matter of fact, involved in this. I would like Candace Parker to be involved. And she had support of people and teammates to do so. Dana Evans told me that uh, Candace Parker would be great for that. And she would hope that she would do that if the opportunity was presented to herself because of representation, not just from the WNBA perspective, but how respected she is with other NBA players and uh, executives throughout the league as well. I think it would be a good match, a, a good mesh of coming together business-wise to make something like that possible. So for me, I like Candace Parker in here. Especially since it's been dealing with Renee Montgomery, who is now one of the part owners of the Atlanta Dream. So I think it's possible for her uh, to do that. And I think that will 
uh, maybe one dot one day down the line actually happen. But at the same time, I'm kind of like Chris. The only ones I really I can really can care less about anyone else who says it. Uh, it's been reported that potentially one of those people that may be involved is obviously uh, Jeff Bezos because he pretty much bought everything in this world. Um, so I mean, if he gets it, especially when you talk about how he's how he's doing with Amazon Thursday Night Football, I'm gonna be surprised if he transitions to the NBA realm and takes over some of that too. I would not be surprised if that takes place. So I can see that happening, but but I mean, Drew, let's be very serious. At the end of the day, I just need my name to be on key. That's all. I just need I just need my my small minority stake, and I'm good to go. I mean, I mean we can do it that way until I get more bread to come down the line. Then then I'll ask for more of a, of a bigger stake. But, but then you know, let me, let me get the sign in. Not, sign me in, Lopez. Just catch me off on a sheet, and we'll be good to go. Oh, yeah. No doubt. That being said, though, obviously we got our founder back. You seem like the man has risen from technical issues. <laughs> he said risen. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, good? Like a man came back from the dead. It's trying to come in, Kyle. We can. It's it's really really quiet. Xfinity did not claim another life, man. That's terrible. You know what's crazy? I got Xfinity. You want to talk about a bundle? I got Xfinity. <laughs> well, we're running perfectly fine over here. <laughs> they, made, they made sure I had internet and that I could support your show, bro. See, look at that. See how it all comes together. <laughs> can, can I say? Can I say one last thing before? Because I got I got to jump out of here. Yeah. Um, I know we talked earlier about the Aces Parade, but it's so dope seeing uh, Asia Wilson really come into her own as one of the one of, if not the premier face of the of the WNBA going forward, and one of the faces of basketball going forward. You know, because we we tend to get tunnel vision about what basketball is because it's this North American sport and because so many great players have come from the U.S. Or, or or Canada. But Asia Wilson, who is in South Carolina as South Carolina gives, boy, like you can see the inf- you can see the black American influence in every single thing she does. She is the epitome of a black American woman. And she is always She's also a fantastic basketball player that does it on both ends of the floor. But that press conference, that post-game press conference, that parade, everything, not only are we moving to a different era, firmly moving to a different era of the, of the WNBA, we are moving to an era where fans are going to make sure and players are going to make sure that the league has no choice but to center these black women, but to center these counterculture women, but to center these queer women, queer people as the at the forefront of the league. And um, uh, my friend Maya Goldberg-Safir wrote a really fantastic article or column for The Guardian 
about how important it is that Brittany Griner, um, what made her such a bargaining chip for Russia is because when she was in Baylor, she straight up came out like right at the draft night. She's like, yo, I'm gay. I'm gay, bro. Like a lot of people who had to have look a certain way on draft night. She was like, nah, I'm not doing that. She came through with the Joakim Noah type suit and all that. She was out there balling from day one. And now she was kind of the first, the cutting edge of that, uh, to, so to speak, that really was just literally legitimately out there in the W. And now you got players like Asia, like Courtney Williams, who we saw so much of in the semis and the finals with her and her dad, Don. Uh, so many players in the league now, man, are just going to like, it won't have to be like it was with Cheryl Swoops took so long to come uh, before they felt comfortable coming out. Same with Candace Parker. It's going to be that. And uh, I'm so excited to see that. I'm so excited that's, to see that, bro. That's well said, man. It's a, it's a different type of player empowerment. I mean, it's bigger than that. It's, it's human empowerment. It's being able to be your authentic self and not feel like you got to put on airs for anybody or anything or any sponsorship or this, that, or the third. Like, you know, you, you are who you are. You do what you do. You know, if you like it, cool. If not, you know, you can kick rocks if you want, you know, but this is what it is. So that's I, I, that's very well said, Chris. I concur with all the sentiments said here on this show today, as well <laughs> as the fact that, you know, you talking about Asia repping everything that makes her. I don't normally do this, but I have to do it because it is significant. You got to give a shout out to AKAs of sororities. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, she she going to ski weed her way all. I'm always right. She ski weed her way all through the hallway. I mean, they've they been doing their thing as of lately. We talk about I got to give them a shout out. Shout out to the AKAs. My mom's an AKA, so I know what it means to hear and be AKA sororities all around your home and ski weeds all around your home. I, I, I get it. So this is a pretty big deal, you know. For the AKAs, especially since uh, you know you, you already got Kamala in the White House, so you know they they going nuts. Out of all that, and Asia Wilson is one of those athletes. You know, there's other athletes that are part of other fraternities and sororities, but she is for sure one of those athletes that is vocal about the, the sorority and organization that she's a part of. So definitely got to give her products for that, and you know, obviously wish her the best moving forward. Chris, my guy, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. You know, continue to continue continue your celebrialness. We will follow your footsteps. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put that on the shirt. <laughs> Yo, let me you, know how to spell that word, and I will put it on the shirt. You, if you do, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for my cut. You know, I gotta get my cut. I work on this show. Publication right here, evidence. Jobs is. First and foremost, this man is an entrepreneur. Like, that, man, that man is a whole brand unto himself. And so, Josh, you rest assured that you will get your bread on that. Good, because I need this money to put in my stake for the Mercury and Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, keep doing right, the thing. Follow what he's doing I'm with uh, James Chan's uh, podcast. For sure. Looks like we got our found the founder, uh, Kyle, that's back here. Uh, Kyle, you good, man? Looks like we still got got some technical uh, difficulties uh, here and there with Kyle, man. But uh, 
But uh, in the meantime, uh, Drew, we'll continue our conversation. We started off with the sun and the mercury. Um, I think it was unfortunate that, you know, that it literally got to this point. And the reason why I say unfortunate is because it should have been done in the first place. You talked about how the, how the NBA pretty much gave Sarver a slap on the wrist uh, when it came to the original punishment that he was taken or given prior to leading up to this moment. Um, it's a, it's a bad, uh, it was a bad uh, move on the NBA's part, I think, to give him the permanent slap on the wrist, especially when you consider previous situations that the league has gone through. Donald Sterling being one of the biggest ones. He, he couldn't stand a chance. <laughs> um, they got rid of him ASAP. And even someone like Mark Cuban, they got on him as well uh, with some of this, uh, from the, for some of the, um, you know, uh, culture that was being taken place with the Mavericks, with the Dallas Mavericks that he wasn't worried about. And they, they gave him a pretty nice, fine, uh, you know, punishment on that as well. So I think that if the NBA, they did well, but they didn't get it right the first time. You know, and it's one of those situations where, from a league perspective, you can't put anything like that up to chance, considering – you are partnered with the WNBA, considering you are partnered with uh, with the way society is moving from uh, not just from a humanistic perspective, but from a cultural perspective. Um, we and representation, every all those factors are changing. You're in a different era now. You have to be very careful with the things you say and things you do. And for him, it was all over the place, not just from women, but the dudes too. And I'm like, yo, what, what, what's going on here, bro? <laughs> you know, gives you a little some question marks, you know? And yeah. because of that, this, to me, should have equated to a Donald Sterling, where you should have right off the bat. And honestly, I think it's a lot, I honestly think it's worse. Because at least with Donald Sterling, you know, you knew exactly what it was. It was, it was blatant racism and discrimination off the bat. But that was pretty much the only allegation. Here, you have allegations of, discrimination, you have allegations of racism, you got uh, sexual harassment, you have all different types of accusations that work true. So that being so inclusive, that should have been something that at the end of the day, no if and the buts about it. Sterling got the boot right away, guess what? He should have got the boot right away too. I and I respect the NBA for working with Silver to correct that mistake. But at the end of the day, that's that's a scar. That's a scar. That's going to be a scar against the league moving forward. And if cases like this continue to happen throughout the league, which unfortunately I think will continue, you know what's going to be the benchmark now for uh, their process moving forward, considering. You just took two steps forward. You took major steps moving forward with Donald Storm to take only pretty much steps back. And you try to reestablish that line that, quite frankly, you just can't reestablish now. So I'm interested to see how the NBA moves forward with further potential cases taking place because now you don't you, – you had a foundation, but that foundation has been shattered a little bit. So now you got to work overtime to build that back up. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the scar has been left more so on Adam Silver than the NBA itself. Um, he got a lot of blowback uh, for statements that he made in the original uh, penalties that came out. And I, I wonder with Sarver agreeing to sell the team or, you know, uh, I don't know how you want to put it, 
because I'm sure there was pressure that he maybe he was feeling or not feeling the pressure from um, silver or things and the players were saying once things uh, were coming out. And I, I just wonder now if that takes any of the heat off of silver. Like because this is happening now, does the way that people were feeling about silver the end of last week does that start to kind of dissipate a little bit as we move forward, or does that still leave a, a, a mark on, on his legacy? And that's not to say he he was in. You know, all things being told, he was in uh, – he wasn't in a great situation. Obviously, he worked um, in the interest of the owners. It wasn't quite the same – it wasn't an apples-to-apples apples with uh, Donald Sterling's situation in terms of being able to kind of strip him of his ownership. But, man, um, yeah, that, that definitely was a black eye. I just wonder if it's going to remain there for the remainder of his tenure as commissioner. Well, it looks like we got our fellas. What's up, Kyle? What's up, Kyle? Okay, yeah. Thank yeah, you, thank yeah, you. No I more intros. You. No more intros. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me let me do a PSA right quick, man. If you if you want to stream uh, uh, consistently, don't work on a uh, Chromebook or on uh, you know this this is an anti Google because. Uh, Chrome, Chrome is giving me a lot of shit. This uh, yeah, I can't have you know you, you can't have too many uh windows open on Chrome and or you know you can't really do nothing that great if if you have too many windows or or even tabs open. But for me, not go in on Google because they might shut our whole stuff down if if I go in on Google <laughs> like I really want. But, uh, but but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna send some some flowers to Chris and and stuff. We'll do that at the end of the show. But uh, I I'll just jump in right quick um, since we're on Sarva, and I I think I'm I'm a little bit I'm I'm, I'm more inclined to side with Drew uh, about uh, the you know being more uh, by this whole situation and everything than the league itself. I think the league. No, depends on the league. Some people look at the league as the players. Some people look at the as the owners. The owners didn't have to step up in any way in this situation because what didn't have everybody off the hook essentially by by making this decision that he's made. If if Sarva wanted to fight, if he was more of a jerk off like like Sterling and was like, well, you know, you got this franchise from me, we would have had a lot of heat going forward and you know you would have heard more statements probably like uh like uh Draymond Green saying that the owners needed to step up and make a vote and and essentially excommunicate him from their uh you know from their old men you know uh their uh you know their their group as it were of ownership but uh they didn't have to do that and you know silver in spite of his you know, wishy-washiness or his his inability to really, you know, really make that sort of state of uh, you know, it, and 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 this, you know, what has to be what has to be noted in in all this too is that Silver does work for the owners, so he, he in in a way caught between a rock and a hard place, but as a leader, he didn't exemplify himself in the same way. He was able to in the Sterling situation, even though he should have known that he had the backing of the players 
and of most of and of the public opinion. But he didn't really uh, take advantage of that. So, like, like I said, you know, like like Drew said, I think he's more scarred by than the league. The owner gay out there off the hook, and the players don't have to flex. They're, uh, you know, they don't have to flex in any way as a, as a advocate group for, you know, essentially for Black Americans, which they uh, too often have to be put in that position because of uh, for the stupid people like Robert Sarver. But, you know, luck, like I said, you know, I think it's a fortunate situation overall that he's stepping aside. He's had enough. He's having enough sense to do that, and uh, the, you know, the league can move on. You know, essentially. Yeah, the, those are all very good points. Um, it's obviously, you know, unfortunate that the NBA has to go through this again, but they are, and the WNBA is going through it as well, um, considering that, you know, Sarver did own not just the Suns, but the Phoenix Mercury as well. Kyle, uh, if you want, uh, real briefly, uh, who would you want to take the new ownership of the Suns and the Mercury? You can't say us, they already vouched for us. I already brought, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm putting my stake in already as is. So... Um, well, I mean, if, if you got enough money, if you got enough money to uh to, to run a team, maybe you should put some money in this this little uh, venture we got going here. Josh. Well, my I, I don't have the money yet. I got I'm doing, I'm trying to do a sign in write off type of deal where I can. Do, oh, okay. you know, I'm trying to do something like it's, that. You know, it's one, it's one of them one of them installment plans or something. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But who would you ideally want to be uh, as a good option to actually run not just the Phoenix Sun but the Phoenix Mercury? Or do you want to, uh, separate ownerships for both, or want separate ownerships with both? One group that just runs the Sun and another group that runs the Mercury. I mean, to have that, but I, I think uh, issue that a lot of the WNBA teams have have had is that. You know they've sort of uh, hamstrung to their to their their NBA kinfolk. You know, in a lot of those situations where the owners own an NBA team, they sort of cheap out on the WNBA team. You see, in two cases, I think both of the last two teams that have won championships for WNBA are uh, independent and operated outside of the out of outside the NBA. You know, there's no Jerry Reinsdorf, thank God, don't have any stake in the in the sky. And uh, you know, you all mentioned earlier about uh um you know Mark Davis, his own is uh you know he stands as a you know a, a owner of he's he doesn't have to worry about any NBA product at all or anything out there in Vegas. So both in both of those cases, you have teams that have been invested in quite well. They have good arenas. They have good active fan bases that they cater to quite well, and uh, you know they've been better off for it. Like I say, they both they won the last two championships in large part because of uh, of that type of thing. So maybe that would be the way to go. Even though Phoenix has been a successful franchise as well throughout the years, maybe they would. They would be better with some independent ownership as well. I think, you know, one of the things that we we uh, people don't notice about the sky is that they are owned in part by Matthew Knowles, who is Beyonce's father. 
So maybe maybe B and J need to go in and uh you know have a little bit of ownership of the I, I know they could take the they could take the uh the mercury with the the you know chain with with pocket change you know that they got they could take the mercury for that and uh you know the sons they they might have to get a little more you know a little couple more people in because Jay you know Jay didn't know much of the nets he had like a little bitty piece of it so he might need to get some other people involved with uh you know if they wanted the sons but you know definitely the mercury would be a realistic situation for them and the sons like you know i think any sort of consortium that is uh diverse probably like most uh you know uh you know uh you know led by some a person of color any any type of minority who hasn't been involved in the ownership structure in the nba yet or or, or to a to a large degree, you know, there have been black ownership, but not much. But you know, anybody uh, of color or a feet or or of, uh, a woman or whatever uh, could take over either one of those teams. I'd be happy about that. Well, I, you know, as someone as a person of color, I greatly appreciate your support for us going. Yeah, in I mean, Josh, if you if you can do it, man, you know, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Josh. <laughs> You know, I I just don't I I ain't know you was balling like, like that, man. You know? <laughs> hey, hey, it's not it's, it's not out right now, but it could be down the line. Can be down the line for sure. We're gonna speak that into existence. You you ain't see yeah, the uh, social media clip of our man getting off the bus? I mean, clean. I'm talking about man. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of people get off buses though, and they you know some sometimes they just tourist, you know. So I'm, Oh, oh man, that's funny. But, um, but now nah, you you yeah, Josh was looking good. Josh was looking good though in that. In that. I mean, he getting his sizzle reel ready so that you know they got you got to have the right profile to be an NBA owner. You know he can't he can't be no bum on an NBA team. He gonna be he gonna be looking fire with his with his sockless uh you know with his socks, uh, loafers on and everything, man. And that, that's the good. That's the look for for Arizona for the desert. You know, you got to have your sockless, uh, you know, <laughs> your penny loafers. Be sockless hey, and pants. Yeah, have the ankles out. You got to have the ankles in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh man! Let's transition to. What what else is sizzling in the NBA, man? You want to talk about deserts and heat? Uh, <laughs> thing that's being hot right now is uh, the top NBA top 100 players list that's come out. Um, ESPN did their rankings, as well as other uh, major news outlets such as CBS Sports, and uh, they're very very interesting, I should say, uh, to say the least. Um, according to CBS Sports, uh, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo as the number one player in the league. And you have Steph Curry going to number two. You got Kevin Durant, uh, who I am, three. You have uh, Jokic coming in at four with Doncic at five. And the king himself, LeBron James, is only ranked number seven. Must admit, it's kind of appalled by this. It's kind of appalled by this. And the only reason why, is because the king himself, 
they're still averaging 30 plus a game while almost while averaging eight and seven on top of that. Yes, the team's not winning. The team is not winning. Okay, we understand that. But dude is still playing the top of his game. And you're going into year 20. Still, to me, by far top three, at least best in the league. And you got him at seven? That's like questioning. That's like that's like you trying to ask Allen Iverson about practice. That's how dare you? Like that's just appalling. I don't I don't get the blasphemy behind these behind this list and and this hate against LeBron James. Am I crazy, Drew? Am I crazy for this? Yeah, I, I love you, Josh. But I think you're a little crazy for this, man. I, I, I understand that LeBron James is 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 has been everything for the NBA for quite some time now. But this this isn't a ranking of what he's done and how good he still is. This is a ranking of where he stands among the best in the NBA, you know, for this season that's coming up. And I would throw a question back to you. If you're going to put LeBron James higher than seventh, better than seventh, who are you, who are you uh, replacing him with? Who are you flip-flopping? Let me know. Cause I mean, it's one, it's one thing to say you want LeBron to be top six, top five, top four. But who are you taking out of that top six, top four, top five? Ooh, as much as I love him, as much as I love him, I gotta go with Joel Embiid. I gotta get rid of Joel. I, Joel, Joel Embiid goes a little bit lower. Joel Embiid goes a little bit lower. I, 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 it's he's he's there. He's getting there. He's like he's like right there. You know that 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 nine, you know that ninety nine point nine percent and that point one is just missing to get over that hundred. Like he's that point one. That point one, but Joel Embiid to me has not taken that next leap yet. When you talk about playoff success over his career, to get him to be above LeBron James and the and the resume he brings, I I can't put that up for question. You, I I, I can't I can't compare the two. So yes, Joel Embiid had a hell of a year this past year. Honestly, in my opinion, probably should have been MVP. But, but. Last you know, two years. Yes. For he sure was MVP years. conversation last two years. You're right. You're absolutely right about mm-hmm. that. But for sure last year, for me, for sure last year, he should have won MVP. <laughs> so, even though he's getting better and he's there, I need I need him to take that next level. He got to get that. He got to go past the first round, first, second round in the playoffs. He hasn't, he hasn't done that yet. I don't think I, I don't believe he's done that yet. It's you know I need him to I need him to take that next leap. I need him to take that next leap because at least when you look at the other players that are currently above him right now, they all have at least made the Eastern Con- I mean the what the, the conference finals for their teams or to the finals. Embiid ain't there yet. Embiid's not there yet. So I would not I would put LeBron James at least over him. Anybody else in that list? Yeah, you could talk about it for sure. We can discuss that. Um, but I think on top of talent, you have to have some winning component to go with that. And each of those players that are currently ranked in the top six outside of Joel Embiid, according to this current CBS list, they they have that with them. They have that in their back pocket. So that's who I would replace LeBron James with, the king himself. I respect it. I respect it. I, I think that Joel. I think yeah. I don't think I don't play. think it's out of. No, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. No, I'll, I'll just say right quick. I don't think it's out of hand to have LeBron. Not, 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 
you know, when you look at that particular uh, with being, uh, you know, Embiid and even and Luca, Luca, Luca showed out. You know, he's he's been showing out quite a bit in in the, the playoffs. He showed out like Josh said he didn't get the job done fully and uh you know he he couldn't get the, the warriors i think you know if you put lebron in that position you're more to have, have at least a push lebron probably probably wouldn't have the warriors either but he i think he would have gave him more of a chance and, and um you know i think we, we can't take what lebron is doing you know is you know I, 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 it's interesting, you know, the coming Jordan, Jordan got disrespected like this during his while he's active. You know, LeBron is he's he sort of getting, you know, the 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 LeBron getting more and more of an argument their way about the way that he getting disrespected. And on a list like this, for him to be seven, I think that is a level, a possible level of disrespect magnified. Is by his uh, most strident followers, but uh, uh, yeah, I would put him at least. And um, you know, it would be hard to put him over that next four because of the mix of individual and team success that they all have. Uh, you know, but uh, I think he, I think LeBron is. I don't think you take him out of a top five in the league uh, until he shows a considerable fall off, and he hasn't. I make good points. It's, it's tough, man. It's, it speaks to maybe how good a hands the league is in moving forward once he actually does put the put the ball down. Yeah, that, that's true. There's so much talent in the league, and, and you can make a legitimate argument that Doncic and Jokic are, you know, more valuable players now. But are they better players? You know, the 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 length, the ranking is top 100. Is not most valuable 100. It's not who's most valuable to their team. It's you no know, who is the best 100 players in the league. And I, there's another ranking too, the hunt, the ESPN ranking. I'm interested to see how that came out. I don't know if they if they released the top 25 yet in that ESPN ranking, but I'm I'm interested to see where LeBron and all those guys fall. They're a lot similar to top seven, but will they be in the same order? In that ranking as well, you know. Yeah. Now let's say, how do y'all feel about Giannis being number one? Any any bones to pick with that one? I don't argue that. Mm, I, hmm, I mean, <laughs> I think it just depends on your view. I, <laughs> I think it just depends on the view, how you view it, because. Well, uh, well Josh, Josh, would you have, Josh, would you have, argued, would you have argued that after the title? I don't know about after the title. <laughs> I don't know, because what gets it for me is that when you come, when you talking about overall resume on top of the talent, just because of being a unicorn himself, it's hard for me to go past Kevin Durant. It gets hard for me to be like, oh, Kevin Durant is not a top two player in this league, considering not just what he's accomplished, but the fact that he is such a unicorn with his skill set and to be able to do it at the height that matches it. 
Like that's that's hard for me to go past. Giannis, but see now you getting into are you you making this more thing now or is it just are you looking at now who's at their at their best? Think, oh, if I'm, you talk about the career, Durant, Durant would be ahead ahead of him, yeah. But yeah, I'm not talking career. I'm I, I'm not talking about career. If you were to talk about that specifically as the sole foundation, yeah, you're right. I'm talking about just a combination of skill set along with season success. And yes, Kevin Durant did get swept mm. out of that first round. Unfortunately, pretty bad. Not a good look. Um, but, but just the fact that he was still able to average 25 plus at such an efficient rate from anywhere on the floor, considering what he had to deal with, I think that's still that's. I think that speaks volumes considering the Milwaukee Bucks really didn't have much of a hiccup per se until. That last that last uh, playoff stretch when Chris Middleton was out. So yeah, that there you go. That and that thing I would say, I would say overall, I don't think enough has changed in Giannis's play to knock him off for that because he was was number one after. But so we're t- talking a year since. I don't know if enough has changed to say that he's not that guy still. But it, and I think goes far this year. He did have to deal with, you know, he ain't have to deal with as much. Yet, no, but he did quite a bit, and he still got his team further, further than Durant. And he, you know, he he just he, I don't know. He I can say he just he showed himself. He, he hasn't showed any sort of fallback or any sort of you know uh, deterioration in. The, this game, I think he's still at his peak. So I don't argue it. I, like I say, you can make an argument for Durant. I think it's interesting that Curry is at. I'm more interested in Curry being number two actually than than Giannis being the number one. You no, know, where are we at with Curry being two ahead of Durant and everybody, and not just. I mean, you know, definitely five as well. But or, or top seven at least, but is he number two? Because of but, is that because of the Warriors winning again, or is that or is that because you know, or, or, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's I have no issue with with stuff being there, and I think it is because of the Warriors winning, but it's because of how the Warriors won and how much he had to do with that, and how in year whatever it is that he's in. Okay. His game went to a whole nother level, specifically in in the playoffs. Without a Kevin Durant, without a hundred percent Clay Thompson, um, you know, having Draymond Green struggle uh, the way he struggled um, in the playoffs, or at least particularly in the in the early going of the of the finals. Like, I don't remember exactly which game that was, but Steph Curry was. I mean, really, throughout the whole series, he was going nuts, man, um, to the point where. You know, it, it it kind of it washed away all the criticism I think of him not having a Finals MVP award um, the previous times he's he's been there. So I don't I don't have any problems with, with Steph being number two, not going into this this season based off of what we just saw. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that too. And Drew brought a good point about that finals MVP does matter uh, to the critics out there. So for him to be able to get that finally get that finals MVP, um, I think that really solidified his stake uh, when it comes to you know um, team. I mean to the to the rankings as well. Uh, real briefly, um, you know we talk about rankings and stuff. The, the Bulls have four players, according to ESPN, top 100 players that are ranked in the top 100, uh, with Lonzo Ball being number 78. You got uh, Nikola Vucevic. It's four, it's four and, actually. It's four actually in the, I think, I think it's five in uh, the ESPN. It's four in the ESPN and it's five in uh, the CBS, right. excuse me. Right, right. So Thank they you. got they got five um, in the CBS, but four uh, Caruso CBS list as well, but mm-hmm. only four in the ESPN. So the ESPN hating, unless they got <laughs> Caruso at one. Um, <laughs> that would be wonderful. That'd be wonderful. Caruso fans would go crazy for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people got Caruso but, uh, at one. Man, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But we're not. But we're not going to talk about CBS in this specific uh, discussion. We're talking about ESPNs. And in ESPNs, you got Lonzo Ball number seventy-eight. You got Vucevic at fifty-seven, and you got uh, uh, Zach and Demar as neighbors with twenty-eight and twenty-seven. Um, are these valid rankings for top players in the league? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised that Vooch is that high. 57, I didn't I didn't think he would be that high, but the fact that he is, um, is interesting to me. That is very interesting to me. And the fact that they still hating on Debo and how they hating on Zach too, giving him the number only 27. I mean, I know he didn't go I know the Bulls didn't go far from a playoff perspective um last season, but the fact that they even made the playoffs, Zach and DeMar were both all stars. Um, this past season, you know, I think, I think there's a case where they could have been slightly ranked higher. Um, and especially when you talk about carrying over, uh, from, uh, DeMar's ranking from anything Bleacher Report and, and the off with the off season signings, worst being the worst off season signing out there. They're saying that, uh, I think Bleacher Report even said that the Bleacher trade was the third of most regrettable trade of the offseason of, of any offseason over the past few years. Um, so clearly there's a lot of Bulls hate out there. But to you guys, uh, starting off with you, Kyle, is this a very fair ranking for these four players from from ESPN's perspective? Uh, I mean, when you, if you look at the fact that both uh, Zach and DeMar made the East uh, All-Star, and um, you know, if you talk about you know the 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 combined All Star group being about thirty players, you know, give or take with uh, the, uh, the the injury replacements and whatnot, you know, uh, it's not that far off. I would say I think you could make an argument for you could definitely make an argument for DeRozan being top twenty after this season if you if you prioritize past season because he was 
for such a, a period of the season to be like a top five MVP can. So why would you have him anywhere lower than 20 in the, in a list to this season unless you're saying like you just think he's going to be trashed this year, which he's not. But, uh, you know, I, you know, ESPN, I think, you know, it could be worse because, again, I'm, you know, we're talking about the ESPN list. I, 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 I keep going back to the CBS list, but CBS had them in the 30s, and they had, you know, they had like 33 I just looked at. So it could be worse. And, you know, I, I, with, with Zach, they actually had Zach six. So I think Zach may be in that sort of mid-20s range. But I would put Mar until he shows himself to – be lesser than than it, than that type of ranking to be a top twenty player right now. Uh, you know, I, I, I yeah, that's 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 just that's just how it's got to be because he showed himself to be that uh, he carried the Bulls for much of the season, and uh, you know that was that was a playoff team, uh, a top fourteen for mo- for much of the season, but they fell apart, and and I think like you say, they get a lot of disrespect from that, but. Bleacher Report ain't valid, not in my opinion, and and most of those people who who uh, who are dissing the trade the DeRozan trade aren't valid because they they had no reason they had no reason to be so disrespectful about the trade, but they did so anyway and they look stupid about it. So, you know, I I, I think one thing though I would you know and looking at Lonzo's ranking. Because we're going to go into it in a minute about his injury, and, and that's that he can't control completely, and it's you know it sucks that he's got to go through all this. But one of the best abilities is availability, in my opinion, and you know him not he didn't factor as much into the past, the last season as well, and uh, you know I think it's reasonable to have him be in the top one hundred, but I wouldn't have put him under. I wouldn't put him over Caruso, even though Caruso dealt with injuries as well, but he was forced into the injury for the his work. He was forced into it. And uh, so I, I would actually put Caruso at current moment over the ball in any list like this. And so for ESPN to not have Caruso at all on their 100, you know, I don't like that. See, like I say, CBS uh, respected them, but you know, uh, I don't. You know, ESPN. They probably they probably got too many uh, ball-headed dudes over there who disrespecting. They don't. They don't. They want to hate on Caruso because they ball-headed. They don't want to bring attention to. Uh, <laughs> they ain't bigging up the ball-headedness. You know, unfortunately, you know. they should be. Yeah, should be aligned with him. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you said, Kyle. I mean, it, we have to realize too that. While Ball and Vucevic, while they moved back in the rankings, DeRozan and Levine did move up. Uh, DeRozan was 45 last year. Levine was 33. Um, I'm with you, though, Kyle. I think that if if we're talking between DeRozan and Levine, I think DeRozan had a, more of a case to be bumped up higher than he actually fell. I mean, this dude was second team all NBA, so you're saying that he's was one of the top 10 players in the league last year. Now you're saying he's exactly. 28. So I think that might speak to the fact that He's another year older and people are whoever made this list, whatever, ESPN obviously, but the individuals are expecting him to fall off from what was arguably his best season as a pro. And granted, 
it, it'll be hard. It's hard to imagine him being as clutch as he was last season. But I don't think there's going to be a steep drop off. It, 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 and it may behoove the Bulls in a weird way that some of that workload and the clutch gets passed from DeRozan to Levine if they're going to really kind of make this thing go this season, uh, particularly with the, the injury to, to Lonzo Ball. But um, one one side piece to this, and nobody, let me make this clear, nobody was expecting him to be in the top 100. But I just wonder when and if Patrick Williams may make a debut on his list um, in seasons to come. And if he is to make an appearance, like what what leaps would he have made in order to do so? Because um, that's another key factor in what's what's going to be this bull season coming up. P. Will got to sh- show himself, and I, the possibility is there for him to be a t- level two-way player. If he's, he's showing himself to impact the game on both ends of the court, and and if he could score, you know, between – 12 and 16 points a game maybe and get himself you know at, at least seven eight rebounds a game and, and defend tire uh front court players with consistency i think p will could be in the hundred you know if not this coming in the next the year after that and and it's going to be important to uh how he uh acquits himself on the bulls if the bulls are still winning and if if he's showing himself the highlight player on the team, yeah, definitely gonna happen. But he's he's gonna be, yeah, he's, he's got to be a two way, uh, uh, an excellent two way player, I think. And he he, I think he he could have that in him. But you know, uh, I, I would love to see them him assert that himself in that way. Yeah, same here. And I think Billy Donovan can can help with that. You know, giving them more touches and not just kind of allowing him to be on the outskirts of the the offense. But I mean that's he got know, he gotta be more aggressive too, Drew. Yeah. It can't be just they they can't always run stuff for him. He's gonna have to take stuff sometime. And if if he if he asserts himself, if if Dale and Terry comes in there and he's more assertive than him, that's not gonna be a good look. He's gotta he's gotta outdo the rookie because Dalen looks like he gonna want to play for real coming out the box. And and there's going to be other players, maybe a couple other players on the team who uh, try to match that too. He's got to he's got to be even more aggressive than those guys, and he's got to be confident and and secure in the fact that he's been for a couple years now, and that you know th- this is the time for him to really control a winning team and not just be an accessory. Yeah, and I think that's one of the hidden benefits of them drafting Dalen Terry: the fact that he's so boisterous and he's got that dog eat dog I'm coming for your lunch type mentality that he's he'll be able to push guys like Patrick Williams in practice to hopefully get him to where you're saying he he you know this team needs to be yeah uh another person that could potentially help him out is Kawhi Leonard because did you see this man's size bro ridiculously huge now dude's been in the gym like crazy so that's someone you want to call Patrick Williams to Paul the clock can help him out too that being said <laughs> But well, they they got him. They got him. Well, Josh, they got him uh, just right quick. They got him. He nineteen. What he about? Is he twenty one yet? Just so, turned twenty one. Yeah. yeah, just turned twenty one. So yeah, he's Wheaties, 
and keep developing. <laughs> in a couple of years, he should be he should be uh, quite he should be quite grown in a couple of years. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, we're gonna end, uh, you know, finally transition out to the last segment of the show, which is the unfortunate news of a ball not being on the court. Uh, now we're not talking about basketball. You need a basketball court. You need a basketball to play on the basketball court. So we're not talking about basketball. We're talking about Alonzo. We're talking about uh, a ball brother and Lonzo Ball. Um, unfortunately for the Bulls, he is uh, going to have another. A knee procedure uh, for the torn meniscus that he suffered back early last season that kept him out for over half a season. Uh, and he's expected to miss four to six weeks um, out, outside of that procedure, and then we'll see how things go from there. Um, this is a tough situation for the Bulls to be in, unfortunately. Um, it's not always good when you have to have another seat, uh, in, uh, another surgery to fix a medical issue. I mean, we had that with Derrick Rose here. Um, so it's not, you know... It's not a happy thing to hear about or go through. But in the Bulls' case, um, it could be potentially a blessing in disguise because at least now you're getting it done over without him right now. Even though you would love to have him in training camp, you can have him for the stretch of the season. If he comes on healthier uh, moving forward, you have him for the stretch of the season that, quite frankly, you didn't have last season. And we all know that with all the talent that's there, you know, exactly. And the big trio that's going on and the talent that both are cultivating at the end of the day, it does start to end with Lonzo Ball. You saw the impact that he brought to the team, not just offensively, but defensively as well um, when it comes to impact on perimeter defense and the transition game that the Bulls struggled in. Um, so that being said, uh, just real briefly, you guys, your thoughts on hearing the news. We'll start off with Drew here. And um, what does this really mean for the Bulls moving forward? Uh, I mean, just given the tenor of the conversation that we've been having about Lonzo Ball this whole summer, it was kind of leaning toward him missing time anyway, and now it's just more so, okay, this is why he's missing time. This procedure can hopefully, you know, clean out what's causing him discomfort whenever he tries to ramp up with his basketball activities, getting back to the court. Um, but it puts more onus now on the improvement of, of Zach Levine and Patrick Williams and Al DeSumo. Um, you know, this Bulls team, we talked about their schedule when it came out. Man, <laughs> in the first month of the season, they're going to play Boston three times, Toronto twice, and Miami, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and Philly once apiece. Um, nine of their their games in the, uh, to open the season, uh, they're going to play nine games in the first 15 days. So, I mean, although other teams obviously are going to start, they're going to have to get their, their legs under them too. You would like, obviously, to have your starting point guard in place so that you can be at full strength um, from jump. But it just compounds everything else, all the, the pressure that's on Zach Levine to whether he sees it this way or not, live up to the $212 million um, max deal he was given. All the pressure on Patrick Williams now to make a uh, Giannis, you know, Euro step size leap in his third year. Um, the pressure now on Ayo Desumu or Goran Dragic or Alex Caruso to step into that point guard role as a starter, whoever that ends up being. Um, hopefully not Goran Dragic, knock on wood. But, um, you know, it just it just makes everything else, it just it, it tightens those margins of error for them so much more um, moving forward. And I personally don't think, this, this is just speculative, I don't think we're going to see Lonzo Ball until like after January. 
even though his his reevaluation date at the latest falls, I think November 9th ish. But um, you know, they're they're gonna have their work cut out cut out for them early on, right from the jump. And you know, we're gonna see what this team is made of and if all these social media hits, summertime, you know, word of mouth, this guy's having a monster offseason, this dude is dropping pull-up jumpers in Evan Mobley's face, yada, yada. We're going to see. We're going to see. Okay, well, you got to prove it now. Um, so I don't know, man. I, hopefully for them, they get off to a good start and all of these things that they need to happen to be able to f- better fit inside that playoff window and not drop to the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th seed. We're going to see right off the bat, man. Yeah, and another summer activity, you know, you got to mention Drew is Eurobasket. And, um, you know, we talk about Eurobasket, one of the players who, uh, you know, apparently played pretty well in that tournament this year was going Dragic, who uh, the Bulls, uh, you know, when he got, when the Bulls first got him, it didn't set off too many headlines or like, you know, spark. You know, fireworks or anything, but it, it might have been a key acquisition. And, uh, you know, it was a proactive one by the Bulls, which is always good to see. So for them to have his veteran capabilities, you know, if he still stays sharp and, you know, he's a that, that Euro basket uh, tournament, they had a lot of, uh, you know, pro players in it. You know, uh, the, the top, these top players we were just talking about, uh, Giannis and, uh, and Luca and all the win, you know they. So they they those guys were using utilizing that to stay sharp, and hopefully they'll carry over into the season. And uh, going could be guys who can who still has a bit in him, and uh, in rotation he could show that for the Bulls, and you know also you know looking for more development for Io, and of course uh, you know hopefully Caruso can stay healthy and do his thing. Because we know he's such effective uh, defender as, and and a lot of the same things that Ball does. But you know, going back to last year again at the beginning, as you as you uh, alluded to, Josh, you know it was the Bulls were deadly when you had Caruso and Ballable and Io, and 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 everybody was working. So hopefully, at some point, you know, down the line, some point by year. Like Drew says, maybe January, you know, they will be this team will be whole again, and uh, you know, like I said, wish the best for for Lonzo because he is an awfully talented player, and you know, we were all I think here on the show pretty pro, you know, because the rumors been going back for a couple years about the Bulls being interested in, and we were all pretty much pro, you know, uh, acquiring ball. And, uh, you know, for it to work out as anything less than a successful acquisition for the Bulls would, uh, would you know, would be unfortunate, you know, if it, if that was the case because of injury. You know, uh, it, it, you know it could have been the case for many other reasons, you know, but, you know, for it to be injury, you know, we wouldn't want that at all. So hopefully Lonzo can get back healthy and, you know, take his rightful spot as the, as the starting point guard. And you know it. It ha- just because you're injury prone, you don't have to be that for your whole career. We've seen players get over that. You know, uh, Steph Curry probably is a, is one of the best examples of that in recent memory. He was pretty injury prone in his early career, but he got over that. So uh, 
you know, hopefully the same can be said for Lonzo. Yeah, uh, hopefully agree with all of that. And um, now we're at, you know, the point of, sh- point of the show where, you know, our boss got some pretty intensive news that he wanted to elaborate on. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to take up too much time because, you know, we already over two hours, man. So, uh, probably part because of my issues earlier, but uh, thank you guys for being patient and thank, uh, thank everybody, of course, who, uh, who, rocking with us been rocking with us and uh i just want to get out there that uh you know there'll be some changes to the show uh forward and particularly the name of the show is going to change so this this is officially the the last episode of running with war but long live running with war uh you know we're gonna move on to era of the show as open run that's going to be the name of the show going forward in October. <laughs> Thank you, Saul. Uh, October, <laughs> uh, we will be back at our premiere. Uh, stick with us, of course, on all of our platforms, uh, social media, you know, uh, war, uh, Twitter and everything, IG, uh, and, and uh, Snapchat. Is, wait, no, no, not Snapchat, guy. I'm not, uh, what's the uh, TikTok? Yeah, so I'm, I'm sounding old. That, that we on the TikTok now, y'all. <laughs> but uh, all of all of our, thank God, Saul reminded All of our platforms stick to it with us for more on Open Run. We go forward. Uh, open Run will be a lot like Running with War. It'll be different in, in some key ways. Uh, primarily, the show will run. Uh, as as is uh, seen here, will feature Josh and Gabe, who unfortunately wasn't on tonight. He's he's keeping hope alive at uh, at Sox Park. You know, even hoping against hope that they do anything, but the Sox don't look uh, not. Good. But uh, uh, he uh, but he'll be. Well, uh, Saul just gave me an update. They're down eight one. See, I'm I'm I'm, good. I'm not wasting my time with the Sox anymore. I'm good. Just get just get Tony out of there, and, and we'll we'll move on to 2023. But uh, you know, it ain't happening now. But anyway, uh, but you know, uh, Josh and Gabe will be main hosts. Our our guys, you know, our rotation of guys, our, our panel of guys who we've had, uh, you know, including our man in the middle right here, Drew, will will still be involved. You know, I'll still be involved. I'm producing the show, of course, with Saul, who, uh, you know, I should shout out Saul Rodriguez. You know, you've seen him on, on the Bears coverage. He's uh, producing the show as well, uh, producing Running With War. He's on the boards for us tonight. And um, and uh, Chris and uh, St- Steven, shout out to them as well. They've, pr- they've contributed so much to the show, uh, especially started this show as a platform for me, Josh and Chris, because uh, we were, we were essentially we are Eagle radios, basketball coverage uh, a few years back. This is, you know, this is anybody who don't remember the beginning of the show. This is pre COVID. This is a long time. It's the thing we've had on, on war media. 
So I'm very proud of this show and that is I'm proud that we're showing and that I've been able to, you know, utilize this platform for Josh, who deserves it very much, and for Chris, who deserves it very much. You know, the, the show isn't the same without Chris involved in it as as every day, but he he has his interests. He has his his things that he's want to do, and he's 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 going to be the quiz master, and or or he's going to be, you know, announcing uh announcing roller derby and sports and everything. He's he's a man of of many talents, and and I I appreciate him, and you know I, I support him and all he does. And like I say he's always welcome to be on the show, and and Drew. You know, I, I could go pretty deep with Drew because me and Drew go back far. But uh, this show helped me and his relationship and our friendship really spark up again after years of, you know, us just being on, keeping up with each other on Facebook, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, we've become, it's become more than that again. And it's, it's like the old days when we first met each other at, at uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, I'm really, really about what Drew has been able to do in the past year plus, and his his his, his platform has grown so much to the point where he has his own show now with Mark Gentile, and he's become a very trusted and uh, you know uh, uh, authoritative voice on the Bulls, and uh, he deserves that as well. So I, I'm just glad we can have, share him with others. And uh, you know, Drew, like I say, Drew definitely be on open run as well. It's, you know, Steven has has been more of a, a um, member of the group. I, uh, and uh, hope, hopefully, uh, we can have some time with him to come as well. I didn't, I ain't hear from him this week, so I know, but maybe he like, you know, maybe he like screw it. But you know, he, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm making it official here on the show that he's welcome back as well on open run. So uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much as far as y'all need to know the audience. Uh, open run starts October. We we, we 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 have a little hiatus here for a couple weeks. We are gonna get ourselves in gear and uh, have our coverage ready for new season of the NBA. So our, our, our NBA preview stuff going forward, and we gonna have we gonna make sure we have a, a new show for you every week of the NBA season. So uh. Yeah, that's that's what the new era of running with war. We're gonna keep doing our thing. Josh is gonna keep uh rocking and, and Gabe is gonna keep rocking and we're gonna be uh standing all behind them and uh making sure that this show goes as far as it can go. Amen. Preach to the choir, preach. All right. Uh that being said, man, yes, this was and it is our last dance. So thank you for joining <laughs> the dance with us. We appreciate you guys joining this last dance with us. Um, follow us on Twitter at War Media. We're all over the we're all over the place. You see the you see the other guys' uh Twitter Twitter names and Twitter handles. Be out there. Means matters. Look what Drew did. We out here, so obviously follow us. Give that out. As as uh, as Kyle used to say, you know, give us that five star rating on the, on the podcast uh, platforms. 
you know, and follow me on Yep. <laughs> and all social media and all other social media platforms. We're all over the place. Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, you know, TikTok. We coming up. We got TikTok, y'all. We coming up. Um, so, you know, we, we run all over the place, man, and we're doing big things. And like Kyle said, we got a lot of big stuff coming your way. So definitely be on the lookout. Get the notifications ready because we out here. Uh, that being said, man, thank you guys. And uh, as, as in the words of, of boss man here, he bouncing.